Well, good morning, LCM. Today is July 25th, 2021. We've been having a great time, haven't we? I mean, last Wednesday, come on. Justin Lenton, Abimbola, Daramola, Midnight and Coltrane. Whoop, whoop. They killed it on Wednesday night. Look, we are all being treated to messages delivered straight out of the agony and triumph of our personal interactions with the scripture and interaction with the very Lord of scripture. Has that been happening with you guys? If you haven't heard their message exposed, well, you should download it immediately. <laughs> Look, it's always fun when you recognize that the spirit of God is divinely leading you. In fact, that's the reason that so many churches aren't having any fun. Yeah. It's because it's not happening there. But in here, we wanted to recognize a few things that are in line with the Apostle Paul as he was speaking in Galatians 5.25. He said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Yeah. Are y'all ready to get stepping? Yeah. We have every intention of staying in step with the Spirit. We at this moment, are going to review a few things that he's highlighted to us. Yeah. I mean, they're discernible directions that our king has given us lately. Mm. Is that worth remembering? Yeah. 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 On July 4th, Whoa. that was like an eternity ago in LCM time, right? <laughs> On July 4th, the Lord gave us a message called Covenant Calling to You. Among many of the beautiful things that were in that message... You remember we did an overview of 10 chapters of Leviticus? Yeah. Yeah. And that the book of Leviticus is called Veikra, not Viagra, Veikra. You, you remember that? Yeah. And, and Veikra in Hebrew means he called. It's about a holy God calling to his people because he wants to fellowship with you. In those first five chapters, we went through a slide. We're going to show it to you here. It might jog your memory. It had an Ola offering. Now, her slides are down. That's going to be fun today. Yeah, it had an Ola offering, a Mincha offering, a Shilim offering, a Hata offering, and an Asham offering. Do y'all remember any of that? We're going to walk back through a few of those things today. But one of the surprising things that came out of that message is that your desire to ascend into the presence of the Lord... Your voluntary tribute that you bring to the Lord. Your ambition to be at peace and fellowship with the Lord. Well, it's far more important than your sin problem. Yeah. That, that was shocking. In fact, he has promised to take care of your sin problem if you just approach him in the right way. Yes. The process begins with your voluntary tribute before the Lord. The fact that you want to come to him and then he makes the way. Sin really is not the primary issue. The primary issue that you're facing is your desire, your willingness, your deep yearning to actually fellowship with the Lord instead of just have religious pretense. Come on. That is the real issue. Yeah. Wasn't that message revolutionary in the way that it changed the way you view the book of Leviticus? It gave you an immense amount of hope how much God wants you and is helping you to desire and have a willingness to fellowship with who he is so you become like who he is. Well, that message on July 4th, you know what feels like about 10 years ago? Well, the next message 
that we were led into was Clarion Call. That was on July 11th. Among many other beautiful insights in that word, it became clear that we as your leaders must issue the clearest of directives. Doesn't that help you whenever you're following? Look, the Lord is not uh, ambiguous, nor is he androgynous. No, that's a problem that the world's having today, but the Lord's never had that problem. He is not vague in declaring his will to us, and we must not be either. Another thing that really stuck with me is that in God's process of developing his nation, he had them camp for one year, sometimes. One month, sometimes. One week, sometimes. Even, lest I say, one day, sometimes. Or less. Less than, exactly. Whether it was day or night or day, when he declared it was time to move, the whole camp enthusiastically moved with joy, pulling up those tent pegs and rolling up their tents and heading on their their way. Anybody get excited when God says move? Yes. Yes. Well, then you also might need to be equally excited when God says stay right in the position you're at. (laughs) Because whatever he says, stay or go, is something we want to enthusiastically embrace. I mean, with joy, man. This is a major goal that God is directing our church and our families and our disciples to do. Well, lastly, there was an important shift in our understanding that is profound. In the past, we may have looked with um, disdain, looked with disdain on Israel's failures, but not realizing that they got the camp movements right. Yeah, I'm talking about got it right the majority of the time. By majority, I mean 14,600 days kind of right. That's bigger than your last stimulus check, Matthew. Whoa! How about that, direct deposit? (laughs) What this has done for me, me personally, my family, and maybe for you as well, is that our few failures are not outshining the obedience that we show in the majority of our days. Our confidence... Your confidence is growing up in this house. Oh, we can see it. Look, I I know my family's confidence is growing. Are you starting to feel the power of God at work in you to conquer some areas that maybe you've left left dusty in the past? (laughs) Well, this brought us to last Sunday. Don't fear the razor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sound booth, did we got slides back there? Nope. Yes. Nope. Okay, so, (laughs) yeah, it'd be fun when you build a whole message around slides. But you guys got a good memory. It's going to work out. (laughs) You remember from Numbers 8 that take them was the first thing that happened to Levites. Every man of God everywhere has to be taken from something to something. Doesn't matter whether it's Matthew's text collecting booth or it's Abraham being taken out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And after you take them, well, God said, make Make them. them. Come on, do you want to be made into something? Oh, yeah. The Lord wants to make us into priests. All priests are taken. All priests are made. Then we went into the process that makes a priest. We looked at the process of sprinkling, the process of shaving. I thought sprinkling would make the Methodists in the room happy. 
There's only one of you and you can't hear me. So it's all right. The idea that you would be clean with water. Then, then we move to the idea of shaving. Oh, you remember this? I never forget having to shave Matthew's inner thigh on the stage. Woo! Wow. Yeah, that, that's a new experience for me. <laughs> and then after that, there would be a clothing. Look, these things came from Numbers 8, where, where we derived them. Also, we looked at Acts 14, yeah. where you must go through many trials, toils, and tribulations to enter the kingdom. But it wasn't must. Right. It, was, it was necessary. And then we moved on to Hebrews 12, where we realized it's joyful for priests to go through this process. Yeah, it is. It's for the joy set before Christ that he endured this process. The whole thing kind of came to its conclusion with the idea that the process itself, the idea of being shaved, the idea of being squeezed into the narrow way, the idea of having the razor pass over every area of your life. Well, it's alluring. It's seductive. Yeah. It's enticing to the real bride of Christ. Yeah. We, we looked at that from Hosea 2, where you are allured out into the desert, and the door of a core becomes a door of hope. See, yeah. it's in Amen. this process that we have hope for, to become like Jesus. Yeah. Well, 1 Peter 5 actually says that, that after you have suffered a little while, then you'll be restored. You'll be made firm. You'll be made steadfast. You'll be made secure. These messages are God aiming us at being turned into what his son is. Amen. Are you ready for today's message? Yes. Do, I mean, do you want to know? Yes. Are you sure you want to know? Yes. Wow, I can't get used to it. Assad's marked new growth in his life. Oh, that... That's the day that we're going to remember. That brother does not fear the razor. No, no. What are we preaching about today, Matthew? Look, it is my joy this morning to allure you to the title of our message. And that is a shave and two bulls. A shave and two bulls. Not one, not three. Two bulls. Two bulls. So... This is all taken from our Numbers 8 passage. We're going to read it. We're going to get back to it in just a minute. But since we don't have slides. You guys alert us when you do have slides. Oh, we got. Whoa. Our slides yeah. have been resurrected. Whoa. Somebody say amen. Resurrection power. We have a slide for you this morning. Don't tease me now. Put it on the screen. There we go. It's and the one with the giant red yeah. circle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. There we go. It's getting better all the time, Matthew. A, I'm full of joy, man. As you can see in this slide now, when we went through Numbers 8, what came after the take them and make them process was steps 3 and 4 that you see on the slide. Take a young bull with its grain offering. Take a second bull for a sin offering. Look, we've been talking a lot about the razor. No, that's true. Talking a lot about the shaving process. In fact, what we've included in that discussion is the, the issue of the difficulty of getting to every uh, crevasse. If you didn't know it, crevasse is Pastor Sutherland's favorite word. Use it as often as possible. The man, he literally loves it. Crevice, if you're from Texas. Okay, I might have been a little sarcastic. Pastor Wade hates that word. <laughs> For whatever reason, it gives him the creeps. In addition to... Talking about reaching every 
crevice. We also discussed the vulnerability of the sensitive areas oh, in the yeah. shaving process. I mean, the very awkwardness of just needing a helping hand in the matter. Now, you think we're talking about anatomy, and I'm talking about your wife's attitude. Or there your, we go. Or, or your, your child's behavior. I'm talking about those sensitive areas yeah. that sometimes need to be shaved. They just want to hide. Yeah. Well, we, we know that the area you want to talk about this morning mm -hmm. is the area of two bulls. Some would anticipate three bulls. Right, Michael? Yeah, is that yes. true, Mike? But the biblical prescription hangs on only two bulls. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an important point. I mean, it, it, it's true. It's, it's important that the church of God testify correctly. Testify. I really want to get the testimony of Scripture Amen. presented in an accurate fashion. Yeah. Otherwise, people just look at two pastors up here and think we're nuts. So we're going to read. It happens. We're going to read from Bay Midbar. If you don't know where no. Bay Midbar is, that is the book of Numbers. Yeah. And in Hebrew, Bay Midbar actually means the desert. Because that's where God gave his word to people when they were in a desert. Yeah. We want you to fully grasp the allure of the two-bull process. Yeah. Let's go to Numbers 8.5. Somebody say, there when you're there. There. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among the other Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. Yeah. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes and so purify themselves. Y'all recognize that part, right? Yeah. Well, here comes the rest. Verse 8, have them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. That's one bull. Then you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. That's two bulls. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord. And the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Amen. Everything that we're talking about is in Ephesians 4 kind of aiming at you being ready to do the work Amen. of the Lord. As Christians, it's so easy to skip past the life-giving message of the two bulls. Our tendency is to just see Old Testament and sacrifices and think, well, that's Old Testament. But that's really just kind of a, a kick in the low-hanging fruit. It is. The message of the two bulls is both beautiful and instructive. Yeah. Let's focus on only one bull at a time. That's our best chance of you seeing the life-giving principle at work. Yeah. Are you ready to learn about the bulls? Yeah. yeah. Not the Chicago bulls. The Israeli bulls. Amen. <laughs> Let's take a look at our next slide. This is from a covenant calling to you that gives description about the mincha. Remember the mincha was a bloodless. It was a voluntary tribute. So look, bull number one is accompanied by a mincha offering, which is an offering of a bloodless or voluntary tribute. 
We're going to spend some time showing you exactly what that looks like. But first, walk back through the process with us so that you can put it into proper perspective. After a Levite had been taken from the community, the process of making them into a priest then began. And as you know, they were sprinkled, they were shaved, and they were then clothed. This is what the scripture declares of us as well. And here's what I mean. As it regards the sprinkling process, Titus 3.5, you can put that on the screen. Titus 3.5 speaks to this. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, the sprinkling of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the context of Numbers 8 is that this was in the process of making them and included a purification process that was going to lead to them being prepared to do their work of service. Yeah. Well, the sprinkling is then followed by the shaving or the razor-like process. Luke 9.23, put that one up. Luke 9.23 speaks to this. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself or he must be shaven with a razor and take up his cross daily and follow me. Well, what we know is that this razor-like process of self-denial is the sharpened word of God being applied to our flesh. It's removing what is old and establishing a marker of what is new that's coming to life. Well, this finishes with Galatians 3.27 that speaks about washed clothes. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. This completion of having his identity, his righteousness, now being the very descriptor of who you are and how you function. Amen. Are you glad to be washed in re rebirth? Yeah. Are you glad to be refined by the razor sharp word that causes you to deny your flesh and become what Christ is? Yeah. Are you glad to be able to put on Christ? That's the process of making a Levite, making a Christian, making a servant of God. If we could put Mencha back on the screen so that it's on your mind. See, it's at this point, after the washing, after the shaving, after the clothing, clothing that bull, bull number one is introduced into the text. Yeah. Now, remember, bull number one is accompanied by a Mencha offering. Now... You see it. That's a voluntary offering. Yeah. That's something done as tribute to God. See, when you've been sprinkled, shaved, clothed as a priest, you have to match that new status with voluntary service. A life of tribute. Somebody say life. Life. That's characterized by eager willingness to serve. Nothing about it yes. is begrudging. Nothing about it is obligatory. Yeah. It is birthed out of your new status. Okay? Bull number one is about your voluntary service. 2 Corinthians 8, 11, it, it helps us with this idea. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness, what kind of willingness? Eager. Eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According to your means. Now, zero in on verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable Come according on. to what one has. Not according to what one does not have. Wow. 
Offerings that are obligatory are not acceptable. They're not pleasing to the Lord. It is the willingness that makes them acceptable and pleasing because they're a reflection of your love for God and not a fear of punishment or simply making a mistake. Come on. God is That's not great. pleased with that kind of motivator. Yeah. He is only pleased with the new status that you have yeah. causing you to want with all of your heart to bring something to him. Amen. Come on church, help me out. I'm I'm a bit slow at times. What makes the gift acceptable to God? Willingness. Willingness. Well, look, the law makes this point abundantly clear. Look, here's one example. We have another slide for you. This is Exodus 35, 21 through 29 in a summarized fashion. And we'll just walk through it, starting with 21. And everyone who was willing, say willing, willing. and whose heart moved him, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. To verse 22, all who were willing, willing men and women alike, they brought materials to contribute to this building project. Verse 26, and all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. That'll get your goat right there. Right there, man. Verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Do you get the picture of how involved Willingness is in this. Look, any honest survey of the law will come to the conclusion that God favors the voluntary willingness over forced obligatory obedience. And this is what God is expecting of you. Next time that you go through and read Deuteronomy chapter 20, we want you to notice that every soldier who didn't want to be there was sent home. Unwilling, get out. Yeah. Don't need you. Simply put, the priesthood is made up of those who are first and foremost willing to be a priest. This has bearing on the phrase, many are called, but few are chosen. That's spoken in Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 14. Look, we really want to make sure that you get this. So we're going to expand on this a little bit. We're going to move to the writings and we want you to consider First Chronicles 29, and we're going to pick up in verse 17. This will be a different way for you to read this verse, and it's important that you get it. Are you willing? I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly... Your people who are here have given to you. See, as ministers, Matt and I can be so excited that someone obeyed that we actually miss the entire point. It's true. Integrity is what you would do if no one else was around. God is not pleased with forced obligatory offerings because you would never have offered it if you didn't have to or weren't scared of being punished. Come on. Biblical integrity is far more than performance. Yeah. Biblical integrity is characterized by joyful willingness. See, a priesthood must be defined by joyful willingness to obey. Yes. Hear this. Rather than begrudging 
forced compliance. It should never take social pressure. It should never take fear of punishment. It should never take all your friends ganging up on you to get you to show joyful willingness. The fact that you were sprinkled, shaved, and clothed ought to produce all yeah. the joyful willingness that you could possibly muster. <laughs> Somebody say, that's a good word. I want to just take one more second on this. Is that all right? And look at one of the most famous Psalms in history. Is that okay? Okay. Psalm 51, 12. Re hey, man, willing. <laughs> Mincha, voluntary. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Hear this. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. When David was in a sinful state, his joy and his willingness were among the first things to be affected. Joy went out the window and willingness was something he couldn't find. Yeah. But as he repented, among the very first things to be corrected were restore to me joy. Grant me a willing spirit. Amen. Nobody's holding a gun to his head. He's bringing his mincha before the Lord. Amen. His voluntary tribute. Come on. A sprinkled, shaved, and clothed priest is useless without willingness. Come on. Come on. Bull number one is about voluntary tribute from a joyful and willing heart. Amen. Isn't this impacting you? Yeah. This is going to solve a lot, a lot of cyclical issues and bring us to the point where we are prepared to do the work. Look, since you're in Psalms, turn to Psalm 110. We're going to pick up in verse two. Say willing whenever you get there. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing. Willing, willing on your day of battle. Hallelujah. Arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. Look, whether you're a soldier in Deuteronomy 20 or bringing an offering in Exodus 35, or the king of the nation of Israel in 1 Chronicles 29 and Psalm 51, the only troops in the Lord's army are the ones that are willing. If you are willing, then he will array you in holy majesty. You will sit in triumph with your king. Man, if there's anything that you can hear us this morning, is that willingness is everything in the kingdom. You've heard 2,000 years of preaching that said sin was your biggest problem. No, sin's not a big problem for God. It's very easy for him to deal with your sin. The problem that is hard to deal with is what you are unwilling to face. What yeah. you will not joyfully bring before him. The way in which you want to resist the process and have to be made through circumstances. Bound like Isaac to engage in it. So we want to get 
Bull number one, right? Yeah, we do. We want a joyful, voluntary tribute before the Lord. We want to find the process alluring, enticing. We are the bride of Christ, and we want to bring him something. Amen. Can I tell you that the prophets make this piercingly clear? They do. And in fact, we wanted to limit the scope of the prophets that we went through for fear. Well, it'd be like getting kicked in the bulls to read them all. It would be. I, I, I wanted... And let's just put this on a slide for you, okay? This is from Judges. This is Deborah's song of triumph. So Deborah and Barak have defeated Sisera. I mean, this is a huge victory. Yeah. And look at what her heart is rejoicing over in Judges 5.9. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. See, willing volunteers are... The praise of the Lord. Yeah. It's a sign that he, he cleansed them. He shaved them. He clothed them. Yeah. And now they willingly come forward in voluntary tribute. But you may remember a message from some years ago called the curse of Moraz. Mm -hmm. This is what Judges 5.23 is all about. Curse Moraz. That's a town in Israel. Said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly. See, a curse was not enough. It needed to be a bitter curse because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. These were people who were supposed to be saved, who were wow. supposed to be sons of God. They were in the family of God, but they were unwilling to engage in the battles of God. Come on. The unwilling are cursed from heaven itself. Woo. Do you see in this slide? Curse its people bitterly? Man, it's one thing to just have a curse pronounced, but for it to be a bitter curse. And it's the angel of the Lord pronouncing it. Yeah. It's not the devil. It's the angel of the Lord. God is not pleased with unwillingness. And we like to credit ourselves with willingness because we say we're willing. No, you are not willing if your feet aren't moving. That's right. You are not willing it's if action. your behavior is not changing. Well, I'm willing, it's just hard. That's not true if your feet aren't moving. That's not true if you're not engaging. You can't be hiding, pouting, sulking, and call yourself willing. Mm. God is enabling us to have the right perspective through the prophets. We need a warning of our souls. Yeah. Looking at this soberly, so that we can take action and be a willing, voluntary, joyful tribute to the Lord. Isaiah 1, verse 11. Everybody turn there. Let's look at this. He's going to make it very, very clear. Say willing whenever you get there. 1, verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices. What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Meaningless. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Look, obligatory. Forced offerings bring the Lord absolutely no pleasure. Because they are meaningless to him. 
He is always after your voluntary tribute. Meaning this, he always wanted you to want to serve him, not forced to. This verse has been misunderstood for years. The offerings that are prescribed in the Mosaic law are not meaningless. What made them meaningless was that the people were only doing it out of obligation. And that's not what God was aiming at. Do you really think that thought does not transfer to Christian service? Come on. I only go to church because I feel like I have to. I only read my Bible because, you know, I'm kind of supposed to. I'll only smile when those people are in the room because they'll call me out if I don't. That's a meaningless offering. What we're looking for are sprinkled priests, shaved priests, priests that are clothed and that have got at least one bull of voluntary tribute. Do you know Isaiah goes on to explain this process? In just four verses later. So look at verse 18 and see how this continues. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Where willingness exists, it will lead you to obedience and end up curing your sin problem. Bull number one is about getting your willingness right so that every other problem can be dealt with. But remember, there are two bulls. Yeah, there are. And we're taking them one bull at a time. The first bull is about willingness. If you get that right, then you move on towards bull number two. But there's a conclusion in this. If you don't, then you have no bulls at all. You can't move to bull number two without first having bull number one. Yep. And if you don't have bull number one, you got no bulls at all. Look, we have something amazing to show you. Yeah. Something so profound in the scripture that you can literally bet your bulls on it. Mm -hmm. We'd be remiss if we didn't show you Peter's amazing bulls. Yep. They may be the best example in all of the Bible. They are. Are you ready for it? This comes from Matthew 26, 41. We're going to wait for you to get there. Somebody say bulls when you get there. There you go. The bulls. Matthew 26, (laughs) 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Engage with this. This is, of course, Jesus speaking to Peter after he has fallen asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice that Jesus says that Peter had a willing spirit. Now, I want you to remember even before that, Peter also had had a bath. Peter had also been taken out. Peter had also been made. All of the other steps that we've covered. And now, he's showing willingness. Jesus says Peter had a willing spirit. That, my friends, is one excellent bull. 
a willing spirit. But there should be two bulls. Yeah. Where is the second bull, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you did. The second bull only comes into play after willingness has been established. The bull number two deals with your sin. In just a few hours after this event, Peter's sin would be atoned for yeah. by Jesus Christ. Come on. Jesus' atonement for Peter is the second bull. Willingness is the first bull. Atonement is the second bull. We're going to go back to Numbers 8 for a minute, and you're going to get to see the two bull cure all. Amen. Numbers 8, 5. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among the other Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. Yeah. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water. That's the renewal of the spirit of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies. That is the razor of God's word through trial and tribulation. And have them wash their clothes. That's the putting on the deeds of Christ. And so purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering, the mincha, a fine flour mixed with oil. That's one bull and it's voluntary, willing, eager, joyful tribute. Then, somebody say then. Then. See, it's only after the voluntary tribute, only after bull number one. Then you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. The word for sin offering we have on a slide, Booth. This is chata. 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 Would you be surprised to find out that even sprinkled, shaved, clothed priests that are bringing voluntary tribute to the Lord, that are eager and willing, they still miss it? They're still led astray? Yeah. They still bring condemnation on themselves? God knew it in advance. It was never your biggest problem. Your biggest problem was your willingness. Yeah. And if willingness is there, he'll deal with the other Amen. problems you can't deal with. Amen. Willingness is what you can do. The second bull is only for the voluntary, willing, eager, and joyful who want to bring a life of tribute before the Lord. He knows that they will hata, miss the mark, be led off track. He knows that they'll bring condemnation on themselves. This is not because they were unwilling to try. It's because they're unable to get it right without his help. And he is more than willing to provide that help to anybody who goes through the one bull to get to the second bull. Do you hear what pastor said? Willingness is what you give. The solution, the cure to your sin problem is what he gives. On that note, Pastor, I, I didn't say it well, and, and you've caught it. The Levites actually brought the first bull. Yeah. They brought the bull with the mincha offering, the one that is willing, voluntary. The second bull was provided for them by the appointed man of God. Yeah. It, there's two parties involved. Two parties and two bulls. What's the number for covenant in the Bible? Can you have a covenant with just one? No. Do you even remember how you make a covenant? Mm. <laughs> it's okay. We okay. don't have to cover that today. What you got to get is that willingness is not enough. 
it is where everything starts, but there is a second bull that's involved. Yeah. You have two bulls for a reason. You can never get to bull number two without going through bull number one. Bull number one is voluntary. It's willing. It's a joyful tribute. Bull number two is addressing every sin, every misstep, and every time you went astray that needs to be atoned for. I'm so glad that God gave me two bulls. Yeah, we need them. We do. I need the atonement that operates within the covenant. In fact, today is a good day to rejoice about many things. Oh, it is. This is the day before my wife's birthday. Oh, pastress has got a birthday. She does. She's going to turn 36 tomorrow. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. There's many things to rejoice, but having an amazing, godly wife of noble character is definitely something to rejoice about a covenant. It is. Cassidy and I rejoice all the time. We rejoice over her two bulls. Yeah, Cassidy's got, got two amazing bulls. She does. When my wife became eager, willing, and joyful in serving the Lord, he began atoning for her past mistakes. He began perfecting her in righteousness. Her whole life is characterized by a joyful, voluntary tribute before the Lord as a woman who's been atoned for by God. See, bull number one is willingness, voluntary tribute. Bull number two is the atonement that follows, but it's only applied to those that first start at bull number one. There are two bulls for a reason. They are so important. They are. When you think about it, no nation on earth has more bulls than Israel. Listen to, yeah. the, to the two bull process in this psalm. Psalm 130. Let's put it on the screen. We thought we'd get an amen out of you, Treaster. Amen. Oh, come on louder than that. Amen. There we go. Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Doesn't that sound like eagerness to you? It does. Doesn't that sound like yearning to you? Yeah. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is Full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Let's view this in the right context. This is speaking to and of Israel. And Israel name means prince with God. They are the example of a nation of priests. Did you hear how the psalmist said, my soul waits in his word, I put my hope? If that's not voluntary, eager, joyful tribute, I really don't know what is. He goes on to describe full redemption. Yeah, That is bull number one and bull number two. Every priest must willingly and eagerly offer their lives as tribute. Then atonement is applied to them. 
This is a two-bull process, and you can't have the second bull without the first. I think that this is becoming clear to you. I hope so. I hope you're starting to make some personal applications because it's not nearly enough to say, I'll do it, but I don't want to. It's not enough to do it on the outside and be rebelling against it on the inside. Yeah. It's not enough to have tears streaming down your face and you would rather be in any other position if you had a choice, but you'll do it because everybody's watching you. That's a meaningless offering before God. What he is looking for is that inward desire that is birthed of your new status chain. He's looking for bull number one. And it's those that offer bull number one that receive the atonement. The others just talk about it. They may think they have it. But the way is more narrow than you think. Many will say, Lord, Lord, but they will not enter the kingdom. Yeah. Only he who does the will of my father will enter the kingdom. That's Matthew 7, 21 says it plainly. Look, speaking of the two bull process, think on communion for a minute. I want to read you Matthew 26. And I'm going to start in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. Gave thanks yeah, he did. and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Bull number one can be thought of like the thankful breaking of the bread. A life of voluntary, eager, willing, and joyful tribute before the Lord. Jesus did not operate out of obligation to his Father. He operated out of joyful, willing obedience to his Father. Bull number two can be thought of like the thankful offering of the cup. That is his blood. Yeah. The cup is offered to many. Did you hear that? Yeah. But only those who made their lives like his. A joyful tribute. Were there to receive the atonement. Offered to many. But only a few joined him in the kind of life that they were even there to receive it. You can never get to bull number two. Without first dealing with bull number one. Yeah. Everything in your life starts with repentance from your selfishness. Mm. Repenting so that your life can become like a voluntary joyful tribute to the kingdom of God. Amen. Your life's not about your lunch appointment. Your life's not about the next thing that you want to do. Come on. Your life must be a joyful, voluntary tribute to the kingdom of God, or there is no atonement for you. Yeah. Years of watering down this truth have produced something called the church that in no way resembles the biblical church. No. The way that you get to the atonement is by offering your life 
as a voluntary tribute. Isn't this exactly what 1 John says? It is. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. First John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Look, the shocking thing about this verse is that bull number two is available for everyone. It's said in the verse, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world is not benefited by the sacrifice, though. Precisely because they do not repent from their sinful ways. They do not offer their lives to the kingdom as a voluntary, eager, willing, and joyful tribute. Instead, they stay within their selfish, sinful ways. No, you can never be benefited by the second bull without starting with the first bull. If you don't have bull number one, then you don't get to bull number two. You live a life without bulls. Don't get lost. In a homiletic here. His life was offered as a ransom for the entire world. And yet the vast majority of the world. And even many in this room. The ransom is of no benefit to you. And it's of no benefit to you. Because your life is not offered to him as a tribute. You still do exactly what you want. You still live as it pleases you. And you only obey if circumstances force you to obey. That's not Christianity. That's not a sprinkled, shaved, clothed priest bringing two bulls before the Lord. That's just somebody hanging out in the midst of the Israelites. The Bible actually calls it rabble. But we have a long history in this ministry of taking rabble and resurrecting them in the power of Christ. Yes. I don't mind if I drive you away, but it's certainly not my goal. Our goal is to see you transformed. Yeah. And those who want to be transformed will be transformed. Those that are not willing, oh, it doesn't matter at all what you say. You'll be burned like all of the rest of the wood, hay, and stubble. I desire to serve the Lord. I wake up thinking about it. In fact, I just can't imagine checking my watch every five minutes in this service. I can't imagine having other things so preoccupying my mind that I didn't pay attention to the one thing that is important in eternity. Listen to me, you may be a child of God, but you certainly got some Marthas in here, don't you? Your mind is preoccupied with garbage and only one thing that matters. It's 51 minutes into a message that will save your soul. Yeah, it will. 51 minutes. Where is our attention span? Look, I don't want to live a bullless life. 
There's enough bullless preachers out there. There's a church right down the road called the Church Without Walls. They should say the Church Without Bulls. In fact, I want to follow the example of Jesus. Hebrews 2 says he was made like us in every way. Goes on to even say he was tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Look, he was made like us, and all I want to do is be made like him in every way. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it, it, it's been the aim of my life since I was 18 years old. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Jesus is the epitome of eager, willing, voluntary tribute. Displayed in every area of his life. Not my will, Father, but yours. Jesus is the epitome of atonement for every sin, misstep, and condemnation that any man finds himself in. Now that my life is offered as a voluntary tribute before him, I'm taking up the second bull. I'm atoned for. Amen. But that's not enough. He atoned for me so that I could take on a ministry on his behalf. Amen. It's not Lance Armstrong. It's not Live Strong. Or any other association with Lance Armstrong. It's a two-bull process. It's for the willing that get atoned. It's for those who are voluntary. It's for those whose life is a tribute. You can't cheat this. You can't take human growth hormones to get it. He has either birthed something supernaturally in you that has changed your desire or you are a damned man sitting in here. And I don't care what you say or what point of doctrine you believe. That's worthless. All that matters is what is proceeding from your life. Look, we're going to move to our final passage of the day. Everybody turn with me to Hosea 14. As you're turning there. Are you getting in church that you can't cry out for atonement if you're not first stepping into a joyful, voluntary tribute of your life? What you should be hearing is that there is a promise. There is a certainty that when you get this two-bull process right, that there will be atonement there. But it starts with you. Hosea 14.1. Return, O Israel. Better said, return, O LCM. Yeah, yeah, let's get this right. To the Lord your God, your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Saints, Do you guys love me? I love you. I have seen that you are enduring the razor process, and that makes us proud to be your pastors and elders. But here's the real question that we're after. How are you enduring the razor process? 
What's going on inside of you when that's happening? Would you say that you are joyful, that you are eager, that you are willing, that your life is a voluntary tribute before the Lord? Look, we are your pastors, and it would be impossible not to notice the evident, visible, pouting, sulking, and devastated state that you are in. When it becomes clear that something must be shaved off of you. So we have to change. We have to begin to change our speech, change our heart, change our actions about the process that God has given us to become priest. Messages like exposure. Messages like don't fear the razor. They're targeted at those moments where you would rather just not hang around. Give yourself a little space a little cowardly processing time to deal with the fact that you're actually being prepared as a priest. Yeah. yeah. If you find yourself needing a little distance between you and a brother because they pointed out something that needs to change in your life, how could that be from the Spirit of Christ? Everything Matthew said was true. He's a very fine pastor. We are definitely going to start with our speech. The scripture says, bring your words. But we're going to go much, much further than that. Can we look at this in the end? I put a slide up for this so you can see the footnotes. Hosea 14.1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer. Do you see the footnote? That we may offer our lips as sacrifices of bulls. Come on. Our wow. speech is going to change. But we're also going to live as eager, voluntary tribute in every situation. Yeah. Even if we are bull number one being sacrificed. We're going to present forgiving atonement in our every deed. Even yeah. if. We are sacrificed like bull number two for the atonement of others. LCM, we've been brought to this place of decision so that we can become what Jesus is, not just talk about who he is, Amen. become what he is. Amen. He is the son of God offering his life for the world. And that's what we are to become. Amen. Sons of God offering our lives yeah. for the world. You can't do that if you don't start with voluntary tribute. And you may not even be in Christ if that's the case. Let that sit on you. That tension is supposed to be there. Because God is after the first bull in you that leads to the atonement. As good as that footnote is, brother, I couldn't help but notice something additionally beautiful. Another translation, in fact. We have the ESV for you to display. Hosea 14, 1 and 2, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good. And we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. 
Oh, are you getting it? Look, church, today at this altar, we will make vows to embrace the razor. But we will pay the vow with our two bulls, even if it costs us our very lives. Are you willing? Are you eager? Are you joyfully wanting to embrace this? Church, it's time to show some bulls. If your eager willingness and voluntary tribute has been short of Christ's example, repent here and now. If you've not been focused on the redemption of others because you are self-consumed, repent here and now. This is our opportunity to be arrayed in holy majesty as an army of God, an army of the willing and the able on day of battle. Peter said it to us clearly. 2 Peter 1.10 says it. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager. To make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Amen. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This altar is about to open. It should be a place of repentance. Where you offer your life to the Lord. This time in sincerity and action. So that he can atone for missteps. He can atone for condemnation. He can atone for the hata in your life. Then as a church, we are going to take communion together. If you're a guest in this room, if you engage with what we're doing, then you're invited to take communion. We are one worldwide body of Christ. We exclude no one. But if you don't examine yourself and you take communion, you fall under the judgment of God. That's why the altar is being opened. Bull number one is the bread joyfully broken for a life of voluntary service. Bull number two is the wine joyfully poured out in redemption. When we take those cups together after this altar time, It's our pledge to joyfully reconcile the world in Christ in the exact same manner as you have been reconciled. You cannot give them what you do not have. If your life is not a tribute, how do you go and teach them? You end up talking about fine-sounding arguments while being a despicable example of Christ. We have a chance to get that right right here. Which means when we stand up together after the altar, we'll be an army of the willing, joyful, volunteers for Christ, longing to lay down our lives, longing to see others atoned for. But it has to start in you. As we pray, you examine your heart, you examine your motive. God takes this so seriously. That Paul said many were sick or dying or had already died in the church for not getting this right. If you can't tell, in every way that we know how, we've tried to move you today to take us seriously. 
Some of you will never come back. Others of you will never again be the same. And I'm willing to pull out that kind of razor sharp truth. Because there's a dividing line that needs to happen and it starts in your soul. Let me say it one more time for you just because I could care less about your money, your influence, your prestige, or your butt sitting in that seat. The only thing that we care about are those that will give their lives for Jesus Christ. And we want to do it all over the world. And we want to do it with you. But that's entirely up to you. As you stand to your feet, we'll begin to pray. Father, Lord, we need your help. You are preparing us. You are developing the divine. And Lord, we are like lost children in the process. But your spirit will lead us. Your spirit will guide us. And we know that your word is instructing us. Help us adjust the attitudes of our hearts and minds. Help us adjust adjust the application of our feet. Lord, we repent. We haven't taken this seriously. We want, mighty God, for your spirit of holiness to come and set us right. Come and move in this place.